Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson here on a Wednesday before Nebraska is set to play in the Big Ten tournament. Brian, are you ready for baseball? Looks like the weather could be good. Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, last year this thing was in Omaha and Nebraska wasn't in it. So uh, let's enjoy that the, the home team's at least around and makes it a little interesting, huh? Yeah, agreed. I um, I'll be curious as to how the crowd shows up for some of the other games. Nebraska not playing toward till nine, uh, probably not what the Big Ten wanted in terms of generating more interest and more crowds, but uh, should be interesting. We will kind of give a little bit of a preview as to what Nebraska faces at the end of the podcast, but let's jump into the news that uh, most people are probably more interested in in terms of. Diedrich Mills, he is set to enroll today in May. Uh, shocking, stunning turn of developments given that, you know, it was declared three weeks ago that he had 0% chance of ever qualifying for a trade school, let alone a university. And here he is now, a proud member of the University of Nebraska. The same institution you and I went to. I know. Well before he even <laughs> needs to be for the early June session. Brian, what are your your thoughts on what this actually means for Nebraska's mm. summer, let alone what it could mean for the fall? My first thoughts are it's a blurry situation, first of all, in covering guys who are working to get here, and it's become a little dangerous, I think, at times where we're we, it almost becomes play-by-play play of a person's classroom work and you know exactly what they need. I go back to what Scott Frost publicly said on February signing day where he talked about Mills and he said he had work to do, but they were confident. And I really don't think from everything I heard that they ever broke from that confidence that this was going to end up just like it, it, it did. And... I mean, did he have to knuckle down at the end and make sure he got a couple things right? Yeah, but you've covered this long enough to know there have been a lot more, a lot hairier situations than this one when it came to a guy getting eligible. So I thought it was a little bit overplayed with drama. Yeah, I mean, it was, in a word, ridiculous. And part of my problem with it is that we report what we know, what we can verify, what we've heard, and all I could do to combat some of the hysteria over this is be like, yeah, from what I've heard, people feel confident. Well, that's not, I mean, you can't, you can't really quell a mass hysteria of this guy's not going to qualify with, yeah, people feel confident, because it's not like Nebraska can just come out and say, here's where he's at, this is what he's doing, this is what's going on. They're not going to do that, nor do they need to. Nor yeah. do people really need to know. I mean, it's a it's a situation where if he's not going to qualify, that's one thing. But how many guys do you think in the course of Nebraska football history have rolled in, you know, into the month of May, and there's maybe a percent chance that they don't qualify, and they end up qualifying anyways, and you never hear about it? How many guys do you think have been on the roster who have grades in December that are sitting on the edge of not being eligible to play in a bowl game that had to pull something out the last week? Yeah, I mean, this is this is so nor it's just a part of the whole thing. But in regards to him officially being here 
and being here now as opposed to a month later or something like that um i mean that can't be underplayed it's it's giant because nebraska basically left spring um more or less saying uh we're waiting for for diedrich and ramir and uh maurice washington situation to clear up and those are seem to be your three and i don't know where ronald Tompkins fits yet i'm still confused on that as far as exactly where he's at in his rehab and what that means for this particular year but start with those three that i mentioned that seems to be the base for what the running game is going to work around um and obviously we've talked about it ad nauseum, but the thing you like about Diedrich Mills is he's done it at Georgia Tech. And Paul Johnson, let us I was writing this right before we got on the pod. I mean, let's not forget that after he dismissed, had to dismiss Diedrich Mills uh, from Georgia Tech, he said he was maybe their best player on their roster as a freshman in 2016 uh, at an ACC school. So, I mean, this is a, this is a guy who has some credentials. Yeah, and, and on top of that, what I like for him is that now he's going through the summer program and he's going to be able to kind of slide right into the seven-on-seven work and some of the off-season conditioning and just kind of making sure that he's in peak form as he hits fall camp. I mean, mm-hmm. I you think the junior college guys are going to be more ready than they are for the transition. I don't know why we do this every year. But we do, and this is a guy that's a little different because he's at least played pretty highly at the D1 level, as you said, at the ACC. So it's just a matter of, I think it's good that he's going to be here this summer. He's going to be able to work out with the strength and conditioning staff. He's going to be able to make sure that his legs are fresh and everything going into August. And he's going to be able to work with Adrian Martinez on cleaning up any sort of mm-hmm. chemistry things. And he, The thing with running backs is, there's timing in that too. There's timing in being to where you need to be to take that hand off, to take, you know, on a on a zone read on any of those kinds of things. They can work on that timing this summer. I think that's valuable. I, one of the things that Maurice Washington did last year is he kind of broke this notion that you couldn't get here late and then have success. Mm-hmm. But that feels more rare than it does common. So it's one of those things I think where having Mills here for the summer is good for the offense because they can kind of get settled a little bit. One of the best things I heard or read about Diedrich Mills was in 2017, he had an awful like situation at that time because he had went to Garden City Community College. He's trying to make his comeback, and he gets injured. He plays two games in 2017, and he broke his collarbone. But he was still condition- he would go out and he would do conditioning with his team even though he had this injury. And I, I just thought that said a lot about kind of the worker he is. You know, a lot of guys in JUCO, if they have an injury like that, they just fade out. Um, and it's also why I always believed he would be fine with his grades when I would hear and read this stuff about him. I'd be like, this is a guy who's pretty determined to make his comeback. I can't see where this gets thwarted the last spring, you know. It's, he's just come too far for this. And so... Uh, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that makes you feel like he's going to fit in fine uh, with the guys here, and you know that that's a nice part of it too. What kind of role can Jalen Bradley or Wyatt Mazur have with this offense? If, if we're already kind of talking about how Mills is going to come in late, not late, but come in in the the summer, and he's going to be 
expected to be kind of a big part of this offense. You have two guys who went through the spring, Mazur and Bradley. Where can they carve out a role with what Nebraska wants to do? If I'm being honest, I did not sense Bradley got a lot of steam from the coaches this spring. Like, I just didn't hear him pop up a lot unless he was they were asked specifically about him. Uh, the walk-on kid from Millard West got more attention, really. Uh, Brody Belt. Brody Belt. Um, and Wyatt Mazur, I, th- I think there's a place for him. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be specifically just – a true running back as we think of running back, or if it's going to be out, you know, kind of in the Wandale role, uh, being one of those guys who contributes there. Uh, even if he doesn't play a lot, I think the staff and the players around him really value Wyatt because he's, he's seen as a good teacher and somebody who's uh, just does things the right way. So I think he'll, I think there will be a game or two where he pops up. I wouldn't be surprised, but, um, and as we know, he is one of the most uh, – one time he, he played last year against Bethune-Cookman and he had a touchdown or something, and we wrote a story, and it was like he was one of our most searched players on the 24-7 sports network. So People wanted to know more about Wyatt so, Mazur. So people love their Wyatt Mazur. So hopefully uh, they get him in the equation this year. It would benefit us, I can tell yeah. you that. And I know Boone <laughs> County isn't nearly big enough to, to game that kind of search results. So uh, I don't think it was just a Boone Central family doing it for him. I am also curious, where do you do you see Ramir Johnson playing over that four-game threshold, given Wyatt Mazur, given Mills, given what we think Washington will likely play this year? Do you still expect that there's a role that Ramir Johnson can have as a freshman? Talked with Bobby Darren from Scarlet Nation yesterday on the recruiting hour and he said something I hadn't really thought of his thing with Ramir Johnson is that he needs to gain strength more than likely as sort of any college player would but he thinks it would really help him become more explosive but he also felt like because of the position that he plays that's the kind of thing that you can have a freshman play and it doesn't set him back that he's not also spending that year working in the weight room in the way that your lineman would Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought of it in that sense I thought it was a good point if I okay, if if you were just to like make a bet um, on the over under on that, I think I'd say over. I just I just think they they feel like he's a guy who can come in and help them right away. I think they need the depth. I think I think last year listening to Ryan Held talk since he's been here was probably different in some ways than they want it to be necessarily all the time. Where it felt like they kind of settled on one and a half guys basically and when Ryan Held has been in front of us a lot of times he's talked about you know having three or four five guys who can do it I think he'd like three or four and so uh I see no reason why Ramir doesn't have a shot to be in that top three that doesn't mean he's going to be but I think he's he's got a chance at it and I think the size question's a fair one he would answer this and say that he's actually more physical than people think he is he told me this and you know, everybody talks about his speed, but he was a guy who was trucking people bef- back in middle school and early high school before uh, the speed came along like it is now. That said, it's a different animal going to the Big Ten. So um, 
I, I, I don't think it, it's a slam dunk by any means that he's going to do it. But I, I also think now this redshirt rule is pretty interesting to me. A guy could, um, like next, well, let's say a guy gets injured in his second or third year in the program. You can always use that then. And so I think sometimes there's this feeling like it has to be used right away when, honestly, that's something you can keep in your back pocket. For some Jalen guys. Bradley last year. Yeah. It, it can be very useful for guys their second or third year sometimes for various reasons. Um, so that's something to just keep in mind in this discussion. Last thing, and then we'll uh, take a quick break and jump into some recruiting. Do you feel better about Nebraska's offense now that Mills is on campus? Seemingly, they, they went out and got Hanaway uh, Noah. Do you, do you feel better about the skill position player talent put around Adrian Martinez with just those two things happening here in the last 10, 12 days? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I let's put it this way. I We expected Mills was going to get here, but if something fell through and he wasn't here, that would have been pretty bleak news, I think, for this program. Um, and I, th- I think uh, the Noah move told us, we talked about this last week, it told us a lot about the receiver spot that coming out of spring, they didn't feel like they completely had it solved or that some guys had necessarily developed enough to feel comfortable there. And you're bringing in one guy in Noah who had 788 or something receiving yards two years ago. You're bringing in a guy in Mills who had about 780 rushing yards in the one year he played Power 5 football. That's that's nice to have that. They've, they've done it. And so I, I think that gives you some sense of security that you didn't have probably before they were here. All right. We are going to uh, take a quick break. But what I've been informed by the radio industry, this is a tease. Oh, yeah. On the other side... We're going to discuss Nebraska offering junior college offensive linemen and what that might mean about how they feel of the players they have currently on that offensive line. And Nebraska has some visitors this weekend. So we'll get into all of that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Brian, does it stand out to you at all that Nebraska has gone ahead and started making a few junior college offensive line offers? Does that strike you as something of just covering your bases? Or do you think it's a real possibility that they might go out and take a junior college offensive lineman, even though they only have one graduating senior, 
on scholarship from Christian Gables? Uh, it stands out as just making sense to me. Kind of when I look at the breakdown of of the roster, you've you've got a couple junior tackles who are who are veterans and Hymas and uh, Farniok. Uh, but we've always talked about, you know, what do you do with Farniok? Could you move him inside? And but then I think of the fr- when you talk about this, I think of the freshman class that's incoming. And as much as we like those guys, the Michael Linz and uh, Ben Hart and you know Matthew Anderson, all those guys, um, Frischke, um it could take three years for a, some of them. I mean, I think maybe some think Ben Hart can get on the field quicker. But I've generally found in covering this team that it, it usually is not till that third year an O lineman starts to make a dent. And when you think about that, as those guys, as most of those guys are figuring it out and getting the right size and stuff, it wouldn't hurt if you had one or two guys who you feel like you could plug in and give you some snaps for a season or two while they're growing. Yeah, I I think it's just kind of. One, I think it's covering your bases because you want to make sure you have offers out to guys that you think deserve offers. And two, I do think that there is that level of you wait and see where Jimmy Fritchie and Matthew Anderson are. You get a chance to get them in. I think those are the two guys that for sure probably take two to three years minimum to, to get where they are as offensive linemen. Both of them, you know, Matthew Anderson wasn't playing football. Jimmy Fritchie was a tight end for a long time. Until last year, yeah. And so... You know they're they're both coming at this a little bit different spots than Michael Lynn, who I think is gonna push Bryce Benhart a little bit in terms of being the first one in that group to to get playing time. I I think Nebraska staff really likes Michael Lynn. Mm-hmm. He's a well built offensive lineman. There's an opportunity in the interior where you really have Bo Wilson and then some question marks. So I I think that uh, Benhart and Lynn have the opportunity to play early. It just, it's curious to me because the, the offer that, uh, you know, the focus on here, Jacob Gamble from Ohio has a Nebraska offer. He's at Iowa Western Community College. He's coming out on Saturday to check things out. He's six foot six, two 292 pounds. Would be a really interesting addition in the sense that, I mean, he could probably play guard or tackle. But I, I just wonder how much of it is just a wait-and-see mode as to where those freshman guys are at, and you still have Brock Bando. You're trying to figure out Cam Jurgens, Will Farniok, guys like that, Matt Sickerman. You know, where do they all fit into this scheme? You have Trent Hickson, who's not on scholarship, but he's obviously someone they like quite a bit and could be a starter mm-hmm. for him this year. So I, I'm just really curious, do you have enough young guys that are going to be in that sophomore-junior range if you bring in a JUCO offensive lineman it would just be a different idea to me than I would have ever expected going into this class. Yeah, I I can see, though, where it bolsters your depth with the upperclassmen crowd. To simplify it, it, it bolsters the upperclassmen depth while the underclassmen grow. I mean, that that's the simplistic part of it, I think. And I there's some there's use in that. I mean, I don't think you'd... You know, maybe you get one guy like that, and you're, once you get that one guy who raises his hand and you like him, that's where you cut it off. I could, and that seems to make sense to me. But uh, you know, Greg Austin you're is not it, talking about cutting his hand off. Right? No, I'd, I'd like be hard to block like Jamie one. Lannister yeah. or something. 
Uh, we were already bashing Game of Thrones earlier. <laughs> we don't need to get into that and how it ended. But uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. No, I vote no. So maybe they'll like it. You know, yeah. we're not going to give anything away. But um, I remember the one time though, Frost was talking about his uh, coaches and recruiting, and he said Greg Austin was the guy who you he he like wants everybody. Like he he there's or like he sees a group of guys that he sees fits, and he's going to push hard. <laughs> in those meeting those meetings to to get his number so um i i I bet there's some fun conversations behind the scenes with the position coaches that we wish we could hear about how many you take and who and why and all that stuff yeah I, i really wonder sometimes how many just sort of open scholarships there are in terms of you have your board kind of thinly drawn out as to the minimum of what you want at each position and then if there's just, like, this battle royal of, like, four spots available and coaches have to give stump speeches for their position as to why it needs to be this guy, I'm sure that's not how exactly it goes, but in my mm-hmm. head I built it out to be a pretty exciting thing. I'm sure it's more or less just, like, Frost looking at it and being like, well, we need to focus on this, and everybody kind of falling in line with it. <laughs> I don't but know. I like the idea of it sort of being a British Parliament style of table pounding. And here, yelling. here, good sir. Yeah. No, 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 and there's like yelling, like Mario Verduzco's dissenting in the background. <laughs> Ryan Held very loudly demanding a third running back in this class. Sir, you could use him. Sir, if I may have the floor, I have a few. Yeah, yeah. that would. We I, sh- I don't know. It's just the the image that I carry with it. But. Well, I, I like that image. I th- I think at least probably three to five listeners probably would like that image with us too. So that could be a nerd podcast. <laughs> that could be the whole listener base. You never know. Yeah. So if we're getting that kind of uh, you know hundred percent reaction on our yeah. on our stuff, that's what you really want. Nebraska is also hosting along with along with Jacob Gamble, they're hosting several other guys from Iowa Western Community College. Carry on Winfrey, who just might be the most sought after defensive lineman in the country in terms of junior college players. He's got offers from Alabama, Penn State, Oklahoma, Oregon. LSU, Florida, I mean, you name it. He's got his offers. He's coming in this weekend. He's six foot four, three hundred five pounds. Told me today he's pretty excited about seeing Nebraska for the first time. Has a good relationship with Coach Held. It sounds like mm-hmm. been hearing from Tuiotti. Be an interesting thing again, where I don't think it's necessarily a need if you're getting Jakeem Green that you have to go out and get a, a junior college defensive tackle, but you have someone this good right next door. Yep. And nose tackle being what it is, you throw him into a rotation, he could be a pretty dangerous player. And so I, I, it makes total sense as to, to why Nebraska would certainly be pushing to get him out on a visit. Joining him and Jacob Gamble will be wide receiver Marcus Rogers, who's a Georgia Southern bounce back, which I believe was also the same case for Mike Williams. Uh, I believe he oh, started yes. at Georgia yes. Southern. And then then he realized they weren't going to throw the ball at yeah. all. <laughs> and so uh, Marcus Rogers doesn't have any FBS offers yet, but he's got a bunch of FCS ones. He's six foot three, two hundred pounds, so he's a big guy. And then there's another defensive lineman joining him, Dominic Kawan. He's six foot three, two hundred twenty five pounds. I think he'd be an outside linebacker. If Nebraska were to look at him, don't believe he has an offer yet. He's out of Minnesota. So those guys will be coming in this weekend, and. I'm curious, Brian, you've been covering this for a while. Do you do you get the same sense of the clamor from the fan base about Nebraska making Iowa Western uh, a, a place where they get more
more players out of. I mean, because I, I know that under Riley and even under Pelini, yeah. it was this whole, oh, they're just never getting any of these guys. Why aren't they ever recruiting it? Why can't they win any of these recruiting battles? We haven't really heard that under Frost. It's been a short time thus far. Do you think that really matters, or is it because they've been able to go get junior college players from other places? It kind of doesn't. Um, I think a little bit. I, I do think they needed to build up that connection with that program because that's a solid – what they've got going over there is pretty pretty strong. I mean, Just throw Leonard. Yeah, I mean, you've got uh, – you just named off. you got one of the top D linemen in the JUCO ranks, and Alabama's, you know, kicking his tires. Um, you should be over there too when it's only an hour trip or whatever. So – um, I, I get some of that, what, why people were a little confused, why Nebraska didn't go after certain guys. Who was that kid a few years ago? He ended, was he ended up being a receiver at Illinois. He's pretty decent. Um, I think he might even caught the game-winning pass against Nebraska, unless I'm confusing with someone. But I, I think Nebraska uh, kind of missed out on him. And th- there was a few that you thought, well, maybe they, they could have had. But um, I think – yeah. That people have pointed to in the past. Well, I think I think you have to say at this moment Nebraska's not ignoring it. That's what we know, and so that's that's a good start. And then you just got to trust coaches evaluating at that point and seeing if that kid. At some point, it doesn't matter if the kid's an hour down the road. Does he fit? I mean, if there's a guy who fits better that goes to a school in Kansas or something, then you take him instead. It shouldn't really matter at some point. All right, for the final uh, few minutes here, let's talk a little Nebraska baseball. We got Matt Waldron going against Patrick Fredrickson tonight from Minnesota. Uh, Nebraska touched him up in the second game of the series with Minnesota this year. The Huskers played three up in Minnesota, lost two. Both times the game went in tied into the ninth inning. Uh, I believe one went into extras, tenth or the eleventh, where Minnesota won on a walk off. They won on a walk off on the final game. Obviously, these two teams can play it close. Do you think that there's any sort of edge mentally for Nebraska knowing that they touched up Fredrickson the first time they faced him this year? Yeah, maybe a little. I think they're really confident right now um, just because of the last two series. I, I felt even after that game they lost at 1 in the morning to uh, Michigan to end the regular season, they, they lost at 10-8, to eight, but there was an example late in that game of how this team is clawing better than they were midseason where, you know, it looked like that game was going to get out of hand and just kind of be a sleepy finish. And instead, Nebraska's loading the bases in the eighth. They're making a threat in the ninth. And they're being that team that's just grinding out all 27 outs. And I, I think they believe they're that kind of team now heading to Omaha. But, I mean, right now they sit pretty well. I was looking at one of the brackets has them at a two seed in the NCAA tournament, which uh, would be pretty darn good. Um, but they're 28 and 20, and you know as well as I do, if it's a two and done situation in Omaha, uh, maybe they still get in, but there's going to be some uh, restless few days around here, especially as all these other teams are fighting to win the tournament in Nebraska's backyard while they're back at home. So th- this is a big deal, I think, to represent well in this tournament. Yeah, I, I really think – I don't think they have to do it in order to get into the NCAA regional. I think that's not necessarily too responsible of a choice. Yeah. I think that they need, for a perception base, to at least get to Friday. And honestly, it would do wonders for Urshad if he 
kickers are the ones who are there and they're tough. I mean, I, I think that, you know, those two guys give them a pretty big lift. They can get the day off and go to Reese Edmonds on Saturday with the opportunity to push themselves in the championship game. And you can draw the line as to how they can get there. It's what they do make it a little bit. They just have to survive the, the starters that they can survive in early games of the season. And the teams get better as they go along. We slowly would hear about some interest in kickers in the NFL and Cleveland and some teams that have been playing in the Cincinnati Bergen and some other playoff teams. Now there's a bad call for that on Reese Edmonds on Thursday. In this ball, but why did he get five it's runs in TD Ameritrade? That's like 15. But the way their games are done now, and then don't give up stuff out of the bottom of the order with uh, some of their other guys. Alden Phillips has been great all season. Uh, it's just that some of these guys come around and still have to beat teams in the playoff championship game that some of these other teams don't have to beat. But their lineup can be a lot better than some of these other teams. They, they like to just flush them along.